0: Children are very sensitive to injustice, especially when they perceive themselves as having been the victims of injustice. And you parents who have raised children, I'm sure, have observed this, you know. um, They're constantly comparing themselves. They'll say, well, you know, uh, why does Robert get to stay up late and I don't? Or, it's not fair. Or, um, you grounded me for a week, but, uh, but Laura's parents didn't ground her at all. We did the same thing. It's not fair. Or, uh, I always get A's on my report cards and then my brother, he always gets C's and he gets one B-plus and you take him out for ice cream to reward him for that. It's not fair. This is similar to the attitude expressed by those laborers who were hired at dawn. And they had worked the whole day. And when it came time for everyone to get paid, they get paid the same as those who only worked for one hour. Now, the vineyard is the kingdom of God, and the laborers are, are working, bringing about God's kingdom in the world. The earlier workers represent Israel, who had been called by God, beginning with Abraham, right, and for many centuries had been living in this covenant relationship with God, and were meant not only to keep God's covenant, but to be a light to the rest of the world. And the later workers represent the Gentiles, whom Jesus has now come to call to also labor in the Lord's vineyard. But there's also another way that we can understand this parable, and that is to think of those who began working early in the day as those who are religiously observant, faithful Christians their whole life. You know, maybe that represents some of you. You've always been practicing your faith. You never had, you know, big detours or or wild years. And... uh, and then the, the later workers might be maybe someone who, who um, didn't really have any religion, in fact, lived a selfish life, a hedonist life for most of their life. And then they have, uh, uh, they repent, they have a conversion, right? And you both die, and guess what you both get? You both get heaven, right? And um, so, you know, there's, uh, there's the example of the Gospels. Remember, Jesus is crucified between two criminals, and one of the criminals Uh, defends Jesus, and we don't know his whole story, but it's likely that he wasn't really a pious Jew. And uh, so he defends Jesus from the cross, and he acknowledges Jesus as king, even as Jesus is being crucified. And what does Jesus say to him? This day you will be with me in paradise. So is that fair? Like many of Jesus' parables, this one challenges us to look at things from a higher perspective. In the first reading, we heard, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. And the specific context of this was the mercy that God shows to the wicked man who repents. If you pay close attention to the parable, you see that the landowner was not being unjust because he pays those workers hired at dawn exactly what they mutually agreed to. He kept his contract with them. He decided as a gift, an act of generosity, to pay those later workers that same amount. But as he points out, it's my money, and I am free to do with it as I choose, just as any of us uh, can give a gift, and it's not, that's not even a matter of just justice, just a matter of our generosity. So when the early workers are complaining, they're not really pointing out injustice. Rather, they are expressing envy. St. Thomas Aquinas defined envy as sorrow at another's good. And envy is, is a real big problem. And one of the things is it denies the truth of our solidarity with others, that all of us are connected, that in the deepest way, we're all in this together. Paul, writing to Romans, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That is a good example of practicing solidarity. So when when someone else benefits in some way spiritually, right, that doesn't take anything from me. In fact, fact, I am enriched by that as well because the truth is we are all connected. Envy also uh, is connected to ingratitude. So, you end up focusing on why did God give this person such-and-such, such, or this person such-and-such, such, instead of what you should be doing every day is marveling at how good God has been to you, at how many blessings you have, because that is the truth of the matter. Every one of you is richly blessed by God. And see, we're not, when, we, when, we have, when we get upset with this parable, It shows that we don't really understand um, what it's all about. So just think of the day labor, okay? Uh, The day labor, they don't have a regular job. They show up to a place where maybe someone has a project that they might need work for a day or two, right? And what's their greatest anxiety? It's not that they have to work a whole day and get paid. What would their greatest anxiety be? To not get hired at all, right? And so these, the, the landowner is finding these guys and, and they said, we've been, we've been you know, here all day and no one's hired us. So think about this. So when, when, when you have been a faithful Christian your whole life, um, you shouldn't think about it like, oh, I missed out on all this fun. I did all the right things and then maybe in heaven I get to enjoy it for all the suffering I endure on this earth by being a good Christian, right? If you think about it that way, you're not understanding uh, that, that, that our life of discipleship with the Lord, our closeness to the Lord is itself heaven, at least a foretaste of heaven. Because what is heaven? It's communion with God. It's the love of God and it's fullness. And we already get to experience that. Yes, there's suffering and challenges. But we know the Lord. And we know his love. And that is... Uh, that's the, that's the, the, the truth of it, right? And so, uh, the person who is living a hedonistic, selfish life, who doesn't know the Lord, um, it seems maybe on the outside that, it's, that they're happy, but they're not really. In fact... Uh, they're already living hell, to a degree. Right? So, to be able to labor in the Lord's vineyard, to have meaningful work, to do something so important, right? God's mission on earth, right? That's, that's, that's wonderful. Now, this doesn't mean that... Um, that our cultivation of virtue here on earth and the years we spend, uh, that doesn't mean that that doesn't have some bearing on the next life. So the wage is the same in this sense, that heaven is an objective reality, which is is something that all those who die in friendship with God will experience, even if they have to have purgatory for a while, right? They experience um, the reality of communion with God and the angels and the saints. However, our individual capacity Uh, to enjoy that reality, can vary. In fact, we know, we are taught, there are varying levels of glory in heaven. Uh, The Blessed Virgin Mary has the greatest glory of all of God's creatures, right? Um, And so, uh, it was explained to me once this way, and I I found it helpful. Uh, Someone told me once, he said, in heaven, all of our cups are full, but the containers that we have may have different capacities. Whereas, he said to me, whereas Mother Teresa's may have a 10 gallon bucket, mine might be a thimble. <laughs> right? um, but I think that's a good image, right? So, so it, it, it's certainly not wasted for us to continue to grow in virtue in our capacity to give and to receive love. Uh, and that does have a bearing on our eternal destiny. Now, many of you have, may, may have heard about a local woman who was kind of a, a, our, own, uh, our own version of Mother Teresa. She was uh, born Mary Clark, and she was raised by a wealthy family in Beverly Hills, California. And she, um, she got married twice, in fact, and raised seven kids. And uh, later in her life, her second marriage ended. And then she, um, she decided to sell her home and all of her belongings, and she moved into a prison in Tijuana, La Mesa Penitentiary. She took private vows, and she wore a religious habit, and people called her Mother Antonia. So she lived in this 10 foot by 10 foot concrete room with a cot as her bed, and a Bible and a Spanish dictionary. And Mother Antonia would offer to the prisoners spiritual comfort and guidance, and also to help them with basic material needs like blankets and toiletries and medicines. And she, in 1997, as people found out about what she was doing, many wanted to help her, and they did in different ways, and some wanted to even follow her in her kind of commitment, a kind, the kind of religious life that she was living. And so, with the encouragement of some bishops and supporters, she founded a religious community known as the Yudas Servants of the Eleventh Hour, which is actually based on our gospel, because the original way that the hours are counted is basically the first hour and the 11th hour. So this is a religious community that accepts um, people, women between the ages of 45 and 65. And normally in the church's history, um, you would only enter religious life when you were very young. So the idea is that these are people who uh, give their last years in complete dedication and service to the Lord. Remember, brothers and sisters, that... To work in the Lord's vineyard is its own reward, with even greater rewards awaiting us. God's grace captures people's hearts in different ways and at different times. And however and whenever that happens, we should rejoice with God when another has been added to our company.